Hi everybody, I'm Jim Ford. And I'm Chad Bokelman. And this is the Lantern Cast presents Elseworlds. Yes, episode number seven. Yeah, that's that's the title of this again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lantern Cast presents Elseworlds. I think it's been a while. Uh huh. <sighs> so, yeah, but 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 this one was a long time in the making. <laughs> yeah. As in the making of the willpower to get up to read this freaking thing. <laughs> It's very true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, now I... The problem was, like, I bought this when it came out, and the reason <laughs> that it took so long for us to to do this episode was because I remembered it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, that's no point, no. Okay, so... I don't think this was like officially an Elseworlds but it was an Elseworlds not officially an Elseworlds but uh, <laughs> for the sake of the Lantern cast purposes we're just going to pretend it never happened in our universe oh yeah yeah no this, <laughs> this absolutely never happened in reality um, <laughs> I, I don't accept that I'm pretty sure that it's generally um perceived as an Elseworlds type tale. Um, I mean, it actually would have to be based on some of the logistics in here, which we'll get into. Mm. Uh, so yeah, so we have a, this is a three issue series, uh, prestige format, so each issue is like over 50 pages. Um, and I don't think it had ads. Mm-hmm. No, no that, prestige yeah. formats. Right. Ads. So, uh, so yeah, so it's it's a yeah. It's only three issues, but it's about the size of a six-issue miniseries. We have the Dragon Lord. This is it takes place in. Uh, I get what is we never that? actually said. We never actually. You, that's the first time you said this whole episode. What we're actually covering. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Oh god. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're talking about Dragon Lord, Green Lantern, Dragon Lord. Like I said, it's generally conceived of as a an Elseworlds. It's, it takes place, I guess, in... Is it, would you call that feudal Japan? Yeah. Yeah, so, you know... Uh, or or China, actually. Yeah, China. It's, it's, it is China, right? Yeah, because the Great Wall appears in there. Right, yes, yes. Okay, this is AD 660. Um, China, mm-hmm. right, yes. Okay, um, it's uh, written by Doug Moench, uh, penciled by Paul Galassi, Inked by Joseph Rubenstein and uh, colors by James Sinclair. Um, and I'm pretty sure uh, it's Doug Mensch. That's how it's been pronounced before. Okay. Doug Moench, you got it. Doug Mensch. Doug Moench, you got it. But, but, just, but, but just so people are aware, the, the separator was the digital chameleon. <laughs> what? The separator. The... the the digital chameleon, man. Are you not looking at the... <laughs> what are you talking about? The separator is a digital chameleon. Are you not Are you not seeing the ti- same title page I am? Uh, d- digital chameleon? No, I'm not seeing it. <laughs> Ryder Doug Minch, penciler Paul Goulasi, Goulasi, anchor oh, Joe... Oh, oh. 
Separator Digital Chameleon. Oh. Oh. Do you know who that? You know what that means? What? Um. What you call it? Before digital coloring, they uh they had to separate the colors into like the four. Like you had a uh, cyan, magenta, yellow, and I want to say black. Possibly green also. I can't remember if there were four or five. But you would have to break it down as far as which colors, like when they mixed through each color process, would make the final colors that the colorist called for. Hmm. That's what a separator is. Well, um, it's just... We're, we're always pointing out that a bat currently inks one of the comics. So we should we should just also mention that a chameleon has something to do with this one. <laughs> And it starts already. <laughs> I find my solace where I can in this title. <laughs> there we go. Okay, yeah, so um, just to give a little bit of background, um, Doug Mensch and Paul Glacey had previously worked together on another kind of, I guess, kind of kung fu book. Uh, was it the, the Hands of Shang-Chi, Master of Kung Fu? Uh, for over at Marvel, Doug Doug Mensch also was the guy that invented. Uh, he came up with the idea of uh, Moon Knight, and um, the other one was Deathlock. So, I mean, like, you know, his contribution to comics is respectable. I shall say. <laughs> I want to preface this comic by saying that. <laughs> That, you know that thing your parents told you, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all? We don't do that here. <laughs> and uh, Paul Glacey, um yeah, I mean, you know, good artist. He's a good artist, absolutely. Um, definitely want to preface this book by saying that. Now let's start with issue one. Okay, we start off, this book is actually broken down into ten subparts. Um... And each one has its own little title. I'm guessing this is a trope of martial arts comics. I'm not that familiar with it myself, so I just I just went with it. Instead of just changing scenes, like they have to announce that they're changing scenes. So you start off at the Temple of the Dragon Lords. Uh, like I said, it's in China, 660 AD, and uh, you have this one this one student who keeps on pestering. The, the master of this, you know, martial arts kind of monastery kind of thing. You know, the, the student is trying to be the best there is, and uh, the master is saying, it's like, well, you can't be the best there is, because that's going to take away your modesty, and, like, if you, if you strive for greatness, then once you achieve greatness, if you recognize the fact that you're great, you're no longer great. Um... So it's this whole, like, confusing kind of talking in circles, like, you know, oh, I'm the master, so I have to talk in riddles to make you figure out the things themselves. So that goes on for a while. Uh, then we click over and uh, we meet Jade Moon, who is uh, the emperor's you know, favorite concubine, 
and she's trying to escape the forbidden city that the emperor and all the royalty live in. She's escaping, and she's bringing her son. She wants to uh, she wants to seek out freedom. Then uh, we get this whole backstory from what these dragon lords actually are. They commune with the spirits of the dragon, which are now almost completely extinct. Uh, the dragon lords were the ones that, I guess, kept order um, throughout the universe uh, or throughout the earth. And as time progressed and man has become more evil, there have been less dragons. So... Uh, all the, the monks in the monastery, they're trying to commune with the dragons and gain strength and insight from them. Meanwhile, Jade Moon is uh, escaping. You have this kind of like go back and forth between Jade Moon escaping and all the palace guards chasing after her. And, uh, you know, Joe, Zhang Li. Zhang Li is the main character um, of this story. Uh, him and all of his brothers are meditating. Finally, Zhang Li gets to a point in the road where she realizes that her son is not going to be able to keep up as they try and run away from the soldiers. So she tells him to, you know, basically go and hide, and she's going to lead the soldiers away. Gives him a kiss, and uh, she's off. So uh, she, you know, well, where's she going to go? She goes to the monastery, you know, coincidentally enough. And, uh, she basically bursts in asking for sanctuary, you know, you have to you have to save me, these guards are going to kill me. And <laughs> they're like, well, Zhang Li is like, you know, who I guess has never seen a woman before. He's completely taken by her, and he's like, I will do anything there is for you. And uh, he's promptly knocked out by the general as he comes right through the door. And... Um, the general then proceeds to slaughter every single one of these uh, martial arts, you know, people in the monastery. He kills them all except for Zhang Li, who, since he was passed out, they kind of just assumed that he was dead already. Um, I guess he, him playing possum, they just overlooked him. They killed everybody, and then they burned the monastery to the ground, and uh, there, you know, they took Jade Moon. And as the place is burning to the ground, Zhang Li somehow makes it out, um, and he, you know, he realizes that he's going to have to uh, save this this girl. You know, it's like, oh well, now that I've seen a girl, well, oh, I have to go save her. Now we go over to the emperor's palace, and the emperor is this stereotypically large, like incredibly fat, almost Buddha-like person. He he's basically like the ugliest looking person that you could possibly look at to really emphasize how horrible Jade Moon has it being his concubine. Yeah, so, you know, he's ha he's you know happier that she's back, but she he's pissed off because he had to go one night without her in his bed. He doesn't really care too much about the fact that the uh, her son, who is his illegitimate son, uh, is, is gone, but, um, you know, he doesn't want any pretenders, so he's like, you know, go find him and kill him. And, uh, you know, meanwhile, you have uh, Zhang Li, who has never really set foot off the mountain. He's been up there so much, he has no idea of what's been going on in the real world, about how poverty has stricken, you know, the whole countryside. The emperor keeps taxing people, 
beyond what they could ever afford. Uh, you know, he meets a little child while he's in the town and uh, basically tells him to go screw off. Turns out that's uh, that's Jade Moon's kid, but we'll find that out later. So then, uh, oh God, the selection process for becoming a Green Lantern comes into play. Although an alien's not dying, it's just a an alien decides to come to Earth and hand out a ring. I guess this is uh, I don't know preemptive. Green Lantern selecting, or something like that. And uh, Zhang Li, who wants nothing to do with helping anybody, happens to be on, like, sitting, like, you know, li- li- lying next to a tree, you know, just basically commiserating about how he can't save Jade Moon. He's having nightmares. And that's when he's selected by this stereotypical looking alien. You, you're, you're the one that we find worthy, blah, 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 you know the drill. You're now a Green Lantern. So, uh, he basically takes no time at all to figure out how to use it, you know, and, uh, you know, he comes up with these really, really cool things to do with it, like bang a gong, create rope, make a flower, make more rope. (laughs) It's, It's really, really just staggeringly amazing things. And, uh, everybody's like, oh, you're amazing, you're, you know... You're, you're going to be our hero. You're going to save us. So he creates a magic carpet and says, no, I'm not better than you, as he's floating above them all. And uh, then he flies off, and he's like, oh, I have to go do something. Probably save Jade Moon, but who knows. The uh, soldiers come to the town, I guess, because they wanted to... Uh, what did they even want to do in this, this last one? Uh, tribute? They want to tribute? Yeah, they were taxing them again. That's what it was. And he uses his ring to basically, you know, kick him out and tell him to screw off. And he's like, you know what, maybe I will be a hero. Um, Oh, and by the way, when that alien came to Earth to give him the ring, everybody saw, like, this giant green light in the sky. And they thought it was an omen because they're all stupid. But, uh... Or it could just be it's because it's ancient Japan. Whatever. I mean, ancient China. So, uh... Yeah, so the Emperor finds out about this whole, you know, what do you call it, this hero, you know, trying to save people and whatnot, and, uh, yeah, Zhang Li, he keeps on, you know, doing things to help people out, and he's, you know, freeing, freeing them from being enslaved and whatnot, giving them money that he takes from the soldiers, blah, 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 and then he has kind of like a vision quest, where... His ring is creating things from his mind. It's creating a construct of Jade Moon and his master. And they're both telling him different things, and he has to figure out what what he has to do. So he's like, oh, you know what? I've gotten too, too high on my horse with this whole thing. I need to go save Jade Moon. I need to go into the Forbidden City and uh, break into the palace rescue Jade Moon, and I can't use my ring. So he buries it in the ground, he hangs his lantern on the tree, and uh, he's off to go to the palace. And that's it for book one. <laughs> um, I just want to say, this 
child of Jade Moon. Yeah. Pretty much damn near worthless. <laughs> yeah. And just because, not because of, like, character plot, well, that too. Character plot point, but just the the interactions he has with the with the Zhongli is in this comic book. Like this 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 old this old uh, Chinese guy who used to uh, bring food into the temple that is giving Zhongli a, a talking to about you know how bad things are down there, which to me is kind of very reminiscent of. Uh, the the old black guy on the rooftop telling Hal Jordan, uh, I've heard, I've heard you've been living up and doing all this stuff for other people, but you really don't have any idea how bad it is, kind of a thing, kind of a an, an eye opening moment. And then all of a sudden, he rides off, and this little kid goes, I'm hungry. Can you help me? Uh, it seems I can't help you. Uh, so find yourself somebody else. And it, that, like there was no point to that interaction. <laughs> There's no, and then he's the. <laughs> this kid is the only one who like <laughs> sees this alien, which again, as you said, very stereotypical alien, <laughs> um, giving him the ring and stuff, and <laughs> and he flies off. And first of all, everybody in the village is just like, oh, you've got this this magic power. It's it's this, this omen and. A, and, it, and it, it, no, it was a dream. No, no, he's a true miracle worker, and he flies off in the sky. And immediately after he flies off in the sky, everybody's like, "Eh, it doesn't matter. He's gone now." <laughs> so nothing. It doesn't matter. <laughs> and the kid just runs after him, which again, no point to that either. It's just utterly ridiculous. And well, you'll see later on in this story how much more utterly useless this kid becomes. The thing that. That pissed me off was that like when we first see the kid like he's sleeping in bed and everything like that he's basically drawn to look like a toddler a gr- yes like a toddler like like there's no way this kid is older than like two years old there's no possible way um and yet he's speaking in like full-on sentences and stuff like that so we know that he's obviously older than two years old. So, I mean, just the way that he's initially drawn, where you think that he's like a baby, mm-hmm. some kind of like weird baby that can speak in full sentences. <laughs> you weird baby. Weird baby. <laughs> and <laughs> then, you know, like as the story progresses, it's like, I guess he's seven or so. It's just, it's really weird. Um, there are certain things about this art that I like, but there's certain aspects that I absolutely hate. And the, most of the faces, most of the faces in this, this entire comic series, um, I think a a lot of times they just get really wonky looking. The Mm -hmm. eyes are so large. Like, you know, like, The, the, the eyes are freaking enormous. Like, they're enormous, enormous eyes. And I mean, like, you know, I know it's supposed to take place in China. And I mean, like, you know, you, I know that their eyes are different. Um, but they're not, they don't, they don't look like this. This is just like, they're almost like anime eyes, actually. 
Like, mm. as, as large as they are, I, I mean... So that part's bizarre. Um, what about the drawing of boobs? Oh, God. It's... <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm I'm making a joke, but I mean, seriously, was wasn't that scene? Did we need that? No. no. Was that was that? I mean, I'm I'm not a pruder by any stretch of the imagination, but I, did was that sequence really necessary? No. Well, Legit, it, it makes no sense. Like, who the hell is taking a shower right before you escape? <laughs> yeah, and and just just because Jim didn't describe it. Uh, when we first see Jade Moon, we see her painted up like a geisha in the sh- in the bath, showering the makeup off of her face and everything, and just completely naked. And there's like eight panels devoted to her showering and getting out of the shower naked and <laughs> dressing and all of this stuff. Yeah. And, and again, I'm no prude. But it wasn't really necessary because the very bottom panel of the same page is her running off <laughs> trying to jump over the balcony. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um <laughs> what you call it? The now the oh god, the whole part with Zhang Li and his master. Mm-hmm. Oh, I hated that. Oh god, that was so so bad. It's just like, you know, it's like, well, what do I have to do, Master? It's like, I cannot tell you that. You must look within yourself. You know, it's like, and it's that kind of thing. Just like times a million on the complete, like, most irritating level. It's basically like I would suspect a kung fu comic book in the 70s would, would read. But this isn't that, you know? It shouldn't be that. It never should have been that. Um which it it was it read okay at first because I kind of expected that kind of an interaction from you know a a, a, mas- a master you know trying to teach the student you know this kind of stuff, but at the second I turned the page and saw it was going to go on, I was like, uh oh, <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and then okay, oh, well I guess next uh, we'll get to the part about how like the soldiers. Now, granted, they had weapons, but these soldiers slaughtered, like, an entire martial arts order in, like, seconds. Like, you, you, I, who knows how many people you had in this, this monastery, but they, they work out every day. Every single day, they're training martial arts. They do nothing but train martial arts. They're not guarding. They're not, they're not doing anything else. They're just training. Whereas the guards, you know, occasionally they're just just walking back and forth, making sure nobody crosses this bridge or whatever. Who knows? They're not training every day. Martial arts are training every day. And they're studying in this, you know, art of the dragon lord and blah, 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 blah. You would think that they would put up a slight fight. But they're all slaughtered in seconds. Well, and and I, I I I'm pretty sure you already know this at least, um, and I, I get your point even though you probably do. But they're not training martial arts to fight; they're training martial arts as to perfect their bodies and focus their minds and and so on and so forth. And, and that's that's the point of their martial arts is to 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 
be disciplined and, and focus and, you know, channel their, their emotions and, and learn to, you know, breathe and you know, all, all this other stuff that goes along with classic martial art teaching. And so, first of all, it's a, that mindset added to the fact they've been secluded for years and they're taught how to just open your mind and, and learn and all of this stuff and, and seek peace, basically. It doesn't surprise me that they were taken out, but I, like as you said, I mean, you'd think one of them would be like, I can fight. <laughs> yeah, well, like, if... Well, I guess my main issue with this is that, and we'll get it this is, get to this in the second issue, the, the problem that I have is, like, if, if what you're saying is true, and they were basically just monks, and... Like what they like, all their training was not for fighting. It was just to perfect their bodies, and it was just to help them commune with the dragon lords. I would buy that one hundred percent. But in the second issue, Zhang Li is like this super, you know, kung fu master kind of thing. Um, so I mean, like, and you know, and we'll we'll get to that in detail, but. You don't get to that point, you know, by being super peaceful, I'm just doing these moves to perfect my body. You're learning those, those, you know, those moves, and you would be able to use them. So, I mean, the fact that the entire, you know, you know, the, the, the whole rest of everybody else died is purely for the sake of the story. It doesn't make any sense that they would all die, like, immediately. Like, it's like, oh, well, you have some weapons, and so we just forgot how to move our arms and everything like that. So it's, it doesn't make any sense. Well, they, they are monks, because first of all, that, that first, um, that first, one of the first bubbles is, is, Master, may I have a private audience, Master, while the other monks com- complete their exercise. Right. Yeah, That's and a, right. so you can kind of buy, at that point, why they all die. Right. And then when you get to the second issue, it's like, oh, wait, you know, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. But we'll, we'll get there. Um, there's still a few more things to get to. <laughs> uh, the, yeah, the looks of the Emperor. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we know that the Emperor is going to be evil. Did you have to draw him like that? Like, like you had to like, basically you're telegraphing the fact that not only is this guy bad, but he's the worst person that there is, and you can see it just by looking at him because he looks evil and sluggish. Mm-hmm. But yeah, okay. So my main problem with all three issues, the biggest problem that I have is with the selection process, where. You know, you mentioned the part where Jade Moon's kid, you know, it's like, sir, I'm hungry. You know, you you say that has no point whatsoever. Mm -hmm. But in actuality, it does serve a purpose. And the purpose is to basically tell me that he should never have gotten a Green Lantern ring. Because can you help me? What's what's the first thing that he says in in response? Apparently not. He says, it would seem not. Mm-hmm. So, 
you know, it's like, so he's, he's completely shaken. You know, I am, you know, it would seem I am unable to help anyone, even myself. You know, find yourself a different guardian. I can't help you. That sounds like somebody that's completely given up. That sounds like the kind of person that has no willpower whatsoever. But, you know, here comes the alien spaceship. Comes right next to this tree where we have Zhang Li, who's lying next to the tree and he's having a nightmare. He, what's, what's he saying? No, no, can't save you. Too many soldiers to... Like, even in his dreams, he has no willpower. So, like, like, while he's getting selected, he's explaining to us that he never should have gotten selected. And that's why I say that this is an Elseworlds, because this would not happen in the actual comics. You can't mm. give a ring to somebody with no willpower. Now, I wonder, does this seem... Um, is it is it something where you're selected in this particular story? And I, I already know for the main Green Lantern universe. Is it something you're selected because you're worthy at the time? Or because the ring sees the potential in you? Uh, let's see what it says. Uh, as the ship comes down, uh, it's doing the scan right then and there. Acceptable candidate located. Correction. Excellent, excellent candidate. Nearing peak of selection parameters and deficient only in technological sophistication. But otherwise so as close to perfect as any sentient being can come. So what they're saying so, is that that particular moment, he's filled with willpower and can overcome anything. So, now I mean, in the second issue, I would say he does a little bit better job at showing why he should have a Green Lantern ring. But, I mean, in this entire issue, they're setting it up. He's the kind of person that should never have gotten a ring. Like, you know, you, you can't, you can't write a Green Lantern like this poorly. Like it's just it goes against the the the, the first principle, the first principle of being a Green Lantern. Hmm. Now, is he? Do you think he's warranted in in feeling the way he does? I mean. I, Granted, I've never been through intense monk training. <laughs> you know, I know, I'm, I know that'll come as a shock to everybody. Um, but all these panels that show him helping the people, like, you know, giving, you know, taking out the people who are trying to collect debts upon him, giving them their food back, giving them their money back, taking away people trying to kill him and, or, you know, rape or pillage. Is he really still, I mean... Is he warranted in feeling like he feels like, oh, I'm, 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 I'm thinking of myself too big of, I've, I've got a big head now. Yeah, I mean, like that, that whole thing is just like so. It was so overplayed, you know, like the amount of times in this whole series that he is just like, you know, oh wait, you know what, I'm feeling a little too much hubris. It's like I gotta knock myself down a few pebble, you know, pe pegs, 
because you know this whole monastery training is like it's like oh well as soon as you start thinking that you're great you know then you're not great it's like you know that's that's dumb because you know a little bit of of pride in what you're doing is not that bad a thing a lot of pride you know taking too much pride you know that's then you know it becomes you know then it becomes perverted and you know then it's bad but if you're taking a little bit of pride that you're able to help people you know regardless of how you feel you're helping people so you you know it's like you owe it to the greater good to continue to help people whether or not like you you need to get yourself in check and you need to get yourself in check quicker. Otherwise you're, you know, you're succumbing to your own feelings of inadequacy that you can't overcome, you know, the feelings of, you know, uh, pride. Mm-hmm. Now, the last thing I'll say about this particular issue before we move on, is it did introduce a concept that I, you know, however poorly executed a concept in principle that I liked uh, towards the end of the issue where he, um, the ring projects um, his master and then uh, Jade Moon. Yeah. And I like, I like that in the fact that if you have enough will and if it's on your mind enough, but you're not yet fully skilled in operating the ring, this is the type of thing that could happen. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. I think again, poorly executed. Yeah. A concept that I like. It's a decent enough concept, but they overuse it here to the point that, you know, you just get to the point where it's like, oh god, again, again with this. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, no, it's not. It's not a horrible concept. Yeah, it just kind of give gives. It's it's almost like a space therapy, space Green Lantern psyche psychiatric therapy literally projecting the two sides of uh, of your mind that are at war with one another and having them battle it out in front of you and and kind of cutting through your own bullshit to the reality of what you're thinking underneath i tell you like when he first puts the ring on and he puts it on in reverse so that the energy is coming out of the palm of his hand mm-hmm. i like that I thought that was an interesting idea. I, you know, I, I'm kind of disappointed that they didn't like continue with that. Yeah, that'd be cool. I, I mean, like, it's just that's a completely different, you know, concept. It's like, just having the energy come directly out of the palm of your hand, you know, it would kind of make sense as far as you know for a martial artist because of the fact that, you know, you have so many open hand strikes and stuff like that. Anyway. Yeah, that is a cool idea. I didn't really notice that until just now. Yeah. But they threw it away, so, you know, oh well. Okay, Chad. Well, next up is issue two of uh, Green Lantern Dragon Lord, where the title looks like a, a sewer cover. A manhole cover. Remove it, and then we'll have a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comic. That would be much better. <laughs> and and just just okay. And, and I did forgot to mention this last on the last issue, but it it comes back to light in the cover of this one. 
does anybody else, and by anybody else, I'm, I suppose I'm talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> anybody else notice how short swords seem to be in this comic? Um. When 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 the in the first issue when the guard enters the temple and points the sword at them. In the first issue or the second issue? First issue. I mean, I don't know what weapons look like in China, 600 AD. I know, it just seemed, they seem super short. <laughs> well, okay, the, yeah, well, that, that that one is, like, definitely forced perfect, per, uh, perception. Yeah. Um, and the one that, that Zhang Li is holding in the cover of number two, that looks terrible. But, it, whatever. Yeah, I, I mean, like, as far as the art goes... Really, it's it's in the faces. The, the the issue I have is mostly with the eyes. Yeah, I like the costumes. Yeah, yeah, no, the costumes are great. Huh. All right. Anyways, issue two uh, of Dragon Lord mm-hmm. opens up with um, how you know most comics open up these days with 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 a circus. <laughs> uh, uh, basically, the. There's an entire circus acting basically like jesters for the for the evil fat, um, weird looking uh, emperor guy, um, of which uh, one of the performers is a magician, um, who, you know, you know, and they're they're performing inside the Forbidden City, um, and then, uh, you know, we get the backstory of who the real magician was supposed to be. Uh, who conveniently enough, you know, knows who Zhang Li is and why he wants to get into the city and allows him to use his uh, role as a magician to to get into the city, uh, the Forbidden City, to rescue uh, Jade Moon. Uh, he goes into the the uh, the palace, uh, you know, starts kicking down doors, sees a couple old guys smoking opium, and just kind of gets a sense of the level of depravity within within the walls of the of uh, of the temple, or of, of the palace, rather. And then finds uh, Jade Moon, uh, who is being threatened by the um, the the general uh, who threatened her before. Uh, we didn't mention it, but in the last comic, after uh, he the general brought Jade Moon back to the emperor, um, he, you know, took him took Jade Moon into the Emperor's bedchambers as the Emperor had requested, but told her one day he would um, make her scream um, for, you know, the kind of uh, shame, I suppose, that she brought upon him for, you know, in the Emperor's eyes or whatever. He's, so he means, he, he means to have his way with her. Yeah, that too. Uh, and um, he's, he's uh, attempting to do just so... Um, and follow through on his promise when uh, Zhang Li can't take anymore and starts to uh, take take her out or take take out the general, um, and then tells Jade Moon to prepare herself for rescue multiple times, um, and then Zhang Li becomes an expert swordsman and kung fu fighter. Oh yeah, <laughs> he can take out because- like thirty men at once. <laughs> uh, he he takes out uh, the general, and they get you know good hit here on Zhang Li's part, good hit here on the general's part, but mo- mostly on Zhang Li's part. <laughs> and suddenly that sound like thunder, 
come all the Imperial guards and uh, he goes, they all go after him. Zhang Li takes them out and then uh, kind of disappears from the circle of them after a little bit. And <laughs> that that tell- never works ever. <laughs> no. <laughs> when you when you're surrounded by men with swords and armor and they're all pointing their swords at you you don't just duck down and slip out from their feet with none of them realizing <laughs> yeah exactly and then he uh runs towards uh jade moon and says it is time for your rescue <laughs> again <laughs> then he uh throws a drape on him and he escapes with uh, with her as he's you know fighting people the emperor is alerted uh, that uh, Zhang Li is taking her uh, away, uh, tells him, I want her back. Uh, I want the miracle worker's head and his so-called magical ring. On their way out of the palace, Zhang Li uh, and out of the uh, the Forbidden Temple or the Forbidden City, uh, rather, uh, he's like, hold on, I got to stop and dig my ring out of the dirt and get my lantern because I've, I've proved myself to myself a little bit. But they they start running off through the woods. Then they you know find a waterfall and, and a pond and some pretty trees and lay down and have sex. Um, <laughs> of course, because apparently she's just as taken with him as as he is of her <laughs> on the first thing. She's just easy. <laughs> she is a concubine. Yeah, uh, which makes me feel bad because we do learn her story later. But whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next morning. Uh, she's noticing the lantern in the ring, and um, he's not really giving away any information about it. And as they're, you know, on the run, uh, various assassins for the emperor come uh, after them. Uh, and at one point, one of them finally uh, succeeds uh, and kind of gets the better of him for a minute. And, and uh, then Zhang Li has to resort to using his ring, which he's been trying not to do this entire time. So he does so, takes out the assassin, and they float above the sky and have sex again on the uh, on the floating green construct carpet under the moon. Because, you know, one, once a monk experiences that pleasure, I, I suppose some things are worth giving up on your little moral standards that you learn in the temple. Yeah. Whatever. Hey, how dare I? How dare I think better of myself as a hero? But you know, this girl. Just too hot to pass up. <laughs> yeah, we're going to do it in the sky using the magic ring as a flying platform. Uh, probably one of the first people to join the Mile High Club at this point in the DC Universe. <laughs> um, and uh, then uh, as they're on the run, they uh, discover that the palace guards are on their way uh, and gaining uh, gaining ground. And Zhang Li reveals the origin of the lantern and the ring to Jade Moon as they're on the run. Jade Li, uh, Jade sorry, Lee. Jade, <laughs> yeah, Jade Moon. <laughs> they've had enough sex by now that you know she took his last name. Uh, uh, she tells him uh, her uh, a piece of her origin as as uh, a concubine for the for the uh, for the emperor. And they come upon a a town that is uh, nearby that pretty much everyone has been wiped out in their in the emperor's quest to find these two, as well as pay retribution onto the citizens for uh, following um, you know 
for not presenting tribute and such uh, as a result of the the heroic workings of Zhang Li. There are slaughtered people all over the place, including slaughtered children. One of the things he doesn't tell uh, Jade Lee or Jade Moon again. <laughs> See, I'm telling you, and Jade Moon is that this town is the town that uh, Zhang Li last saw her child in. But we don't. He doesn't know that it's her kid. I don't think, not at this point. But that's that's the fact that comes becomes important later. Then suddenly we jump into the concubine's tale which is the origin of Jade Moon, a uh, young girl bought and sold into slavery as a, as a, you know, she was used. I'm sure you can probably imagine where it goes from there. Um, and then she tells him about her son, who has a crescent moon birthmark just like hers, although uh, instead of being on uh, his chest, it's on his cheek, and John Lee's like, oh, I saw a kid like that. Uh, and she's oh, he's still alive, and but he neglects to tell her that, you know, the last time I saw him alive was in the city we just passed where all the children were dead in the streets. <laughs> and then, uh, Whoops. <laughs> and then uh, Zhang Li gives his origin as a dragon's... What? What is it? A dragon master? No, somebody, what do they call him? Dragon lords. No, he, he's, he's a student of the dragon lords or something. Whatever. But for some reason, her tale as she's sleeping uh, sparks him to go reflect on his own origins in meditation uh, as... Uh, you know, a kid at the at the temple and the the stories he told and, and such uh, was told when he was going through training. And one of which is the story of this uh, single mountain uh, that, you know, is the, the last refuge of, of the dragon lords and and the guardians. And then the, the construct of his master pops up out of his out of his ring again and says, hey, boo. Yeah, you really need to go to that mountain. Yeah, you know that mountain that she just told you about? That's the one you have to go to. <laughs> yeah, that one. <laughs> Conveniently enough. And then Jade Moon uh, wakes up and um, says, uh, you know, hey, uh, I, I got this mountain. And she's like, are, are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, I just told you about this. <laughs> so if you think something, it is the same as your master saying it after his death. And she looks incredulous. There's a lot of question marks and upset sayings. And at one point she goes, what? <laughs> and yet, she still finds this man attractive somehow after <laughs> just now seeing how delusional this guy really is. So then they have more sex in a cave. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> they, they, they probably do. She does something while he's sleeping. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she tells him, don't go. He says, I gotta go. He, she says, don't go. He says, I gotta go. And not only that, I'm not going to do it without my ring. Or I'll bring the ring, but I, I, I'll let the power run out. Uh, because in this version, we didn't mention you have to... It's got a 24-hour charge. It's not like a big tank that we have now. It's 24 hours, you have to recharge it. So while he's sleeping, you know, after, right as he lays down, five minutes later, it seems, he's out like a light because she <laughs> picks up his hand and recharges the ring for him while he's sleeping. And as he's running off, they kiss. She confesses her undying love. He's headed off to the mountain. The general and his guards are on their way to hunt them down as the last page we see Zhang Li making his way towards the entrance of the, the dragon the dragon mountain. It's, I think it's called Lung Mountain or something like that. Yes, yeah. And, uh, but it, it looks like a giant dragon coiled around it, so we can call it Dragon Mountain. Yeah, Dragon Mountain. Oh, man. They make a point of saying that the journey... It's a day's journey to Lung Mountain, 
but it's only half a day's journey by boat, which he just happens <laughs> to have enough money for. <laughs> oh, uh, this was Jim's favorite one. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I this this definitely got a lot better by the second issue. Despite all the sex. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. What you call it? Like, oh god, that was so hard to get through. The sex scenes were so hard to get through. Because yeah, he, he saves her, and yeah, that, that page where the first time where they have sex, it, it's like just the 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 dialogue is so freaking creepy. <laughs> the feel of her sleek skin shuddering under my barest touch, even as I caress each shoulder at its most pleasing point. And uh, later on, because this goes on for like a page and a half. Each sensation builds on the other until my entire being comes alive, anointed with sacred sacred thrills. Come on! Come on! Follow, followed immediately by the flesh of my outer body rises. <laughs> oh, God. It's so creepy. <laughs> this, this, not only should this not be in a Green Lantern comic... This really shouldn't be in almost any comic. <laughs> oh, God. You won't be taken seriously. No, I, you know what? You know what? I would expect that dialogue in Fifty Shades of Grey, the comic. <laughs> oh, man. Awful. Awful. Uh, and, yeah, and we get two sex scenes in one comic. I kind of... Story-wise, I kind of get why they sleep together after he rescues her and they have a moment together and blah, blah, blah. But that second time they have sex... Yeah. Let's do it again. <laughs> we're almost caught. Well, now we're in the sky now. Well, you know, while we're up here, yeah. let's go at it again. <laughs> oh, by the way, let me show you what my ring can do <laughs> while I have sex with you. <laughs> Oh, God. And again, it's like, you know, look what I can do with my ring. I can make rope. I can make more rope. And then I can take the rope and absorb the rope back into my ring. My magic rope ring. Which, which can I please... Why can't this guy just dissolve, like, just dissolve the constructs? Do, do we have to have four panels of him sucking the rope back into his ring? <laughs> Yeah. Is returning the constructs to your ring conserve energy just a little bit more? No, it doesn't. <laughs> I didn't think so. Um, <laughs> what you call? And then, yeah, then it's like, it's like uh, Aladdin, a whole new world. Yeah. If it was like depraved and just sex. Yeah. <laughs> a whole new world of sex in the sky. Don't you dare close your eyes. <laughs> uh, it's funny, like, they get to, uh... The... Don't ruin my favorite Disney movie, man. Oh, no, what'd you call it? Later on, you, you, what you were saying, when they get to Han Town or whatever, uh, mm -hmm. Han Village, and it's been completely wiped out, you're like, yeah, and then they jump into, they jump back into her, you know, her uh, backstory a little more. They literally just, like... It's the it's the probably the worst segue in this entire book. 
<laughs> you know, like, you know, let us find shelter, you know. It's like, oh, I'll tell you about the magnitude of, of his evil, you know. Oh, okay, you know, we were surrounded by slaughtered children. So please, tell me another horrific story. That'll help me get over the sight of all these slaughtered children. <laughs> and honestly, okay, I see the precedent for telling you his origin because of the story he was told about the mountain or whatever when he was a kid or whatever. And I get kind of a piece of hers as the mountain is about her origin as well. But usually when you suddenly leap into an origin for a character, the reasoning is there's a character in the origin or there's a concept in the origin that will soon become super important in the storyline. Like, oh, yeah, you know, like when we flash back in Secret Origin of Green Green Lantern, we suddenly got that retelling of Hal's origin and Atrocitus. And then what happened after that storyline was over? Rage of the Red Lanterns. You know, it introduces a concept that will become important later. Did we really need both of these stories to introduce this one mountain? Well, you definitely needed hers. Because, yeah, I mean, aside from the fact that it does introduce all these villains and cutthroats in Lung Mountain and also name the mountain itself, I guess that's basically it. But you need that. And the child. Uh, Yeah, yeah. You didn't really need that, but... The useless child. And I mean, for his, if you didn't have his backstory, then you wouldn't be able to do that horrible, you know, reusing the construct so that he can figure out where he has to go. And suddenly, whenever he's projecting his thoughts, his ring is backwards again. Yeah, I, yeah that, that that's dumb. I mean... What are you, are you are you like literally like flipping your ring around every time you want to use it a different way? And yeah, and it's back it's back the same the uh, the regular way, like two panels later. <laughs> he closes his hand, and you just see heads, and then the next panel with the ring, it's turned around again. <laughs> so maybe this ring has two faces. I don't know. Alright, well, let's go back to something we mentioned last issue then. The fighting in the beginning. The the, the kung fu master yeah, yeah. jumping. Yeah, I mean, like, if... You can't give me this version of Zhang Lei, you know, after the first issue where he's completely useless in martial arts... He has no sense of willpower. He's, you know, he's completely unskilled. They knock him out in one blow and then kill off everybody that he trained with, who should probably have the same amount of skills as him. But they got killed off in seconds. And now he's taking on, like, an entire army, single-handedly, while announcing that he's going to rescue Jade Moon repeatedly. (laughs) I love... (laughs) I thought that was the dumbest shit. <laughs> like, speaking of cheesy dialogue, I mean, seriously. When you when you walk in, scream no, and, you know, do your monologue, you are guilty of slaughter, but you will kill no more. And he's like, your fail, my, my failure to, 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 unanswer, to not answer your plea will now be answered. Prepare yourself, Jade Moon, for rescue. <laughs> what you call it? I... 
there's there's one panel here that just looks so bizarre when right after he uh, recovers his lantern. Yeah, he recovers the lantern and he gets the ring out of the ground and he has sex with her. And then like right after that she's looking at the lantern. It's like what you know, what's up with this this crazy lantern? You know that page? I'm getting there, hold on. At <laughs> uh, page twenty three, I think. Alright, go ahead. Okay, so <laughs> So yeah, so like you have the panel where you're looking at her and it's like, you know, the, there's a panel that says, uh, or heirloom of your birthright. And she looks like Jade Moon, looks exactly like she normally looks. Directly below that is another panel with her and him. And it's like a completely different person. <laughs> like the hairstyle, like I, I, I have to try and imagine that he's going for some kind of thing where, like, a breeze is blowing her hair. Mm-hmm. But the breeze is blowing her hair in every single direction at once. <laughs> like, like almost like there's a focused beam of, of air focused directly at the center of her forehead. And that's <laughs> making her hair blow out in every direction away from it. And... And Zhang Li's hair is completely unmoving whatsoever. <laughs> you know, her hair is the only thing moving in that entire scene. The hero's hair never moves, man. Come on. But like, like, how do you have hair that that drawn like that? You, oh God, that's bad. Especially like in every other panel, like literally every other panel, her hair is just like always straight and over her face and everything like that. Speaking of the eyes, page 33. Okay. Bottom left panel. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, she's a raccoon there. (laughs) 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 She's either a raccoon or a caveman. And John Lee's eyes in the flashback on the next page when he's holding the lantern? Yeah. (laughs) Well, one eye's straight. (laughs) <laughs> one eye's straight the other one's kind of at an angle yeah. one eye's bigger than the other yeah and that's not a commentary on Asian eyes either no <laughs> the things we do man and and is it just me or do the uh, what, what would you call them the ports the, 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 the side of the lantern that the light emits from come out really far not come out not just come out really far. I mean I get it. It's you know, it's a lantern, but it needs to look alien. Okay, I can get it. It looks close enough to the original. That's fine. But occasionally it just seems like sometimes they're really long or sometimes they're like flayed out really wide and sometimes not. Uh on page on page 43. Oh, yeah. They look really big and in the very next page they don't look that no, I mean I can buy that from the from the force perspective. That that kind of does look like, you know, it, it it carries over. But sometimes, yeah, you're right though. Sometimes they're long and sometimes they're not. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's honestly that's probably like one of my least concerns of this, I know. Of this comic. But it's just something else to. T- I mean the the the. Yeah, they do fan out longer 
for the most part um, than a regular lantern. But mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I, like like I said, like that's that's the least of our worries. There's a lot of butt shots of Jade Moon. Yes, there are. Yeah, I was hoping you would <laughs> notice that actually. <laughs> Yeah, there's quite a lot of time in the first issue I think whenever she's like thrown down in front of the emperor like there's one where he's talking and you can kind of see her getting to her feet but he's like you see he's the emperor's shoulder and the general's arms as he's gesturing but you see her like on her hands and like the back side of her like on her hands and knees but her lower back is dipped really low so her ass is just like jutting up and it's, and there's a lot of that in these comics. Or like when Jay, when uh, Jung Lee gets thrown in the water, you could just you know show Jung Lee and the assassin throw, thrashing around in the water. But no, we got to see it from her perspective, but level with her ass. <laughs> <sighs> what you call it? You know, like we didn't really get to it too much in the first issue, but when the alien you know, handed the ring to Zhang Li. He basically said, you know, oh, you know, maybe someday you'll get to meet the Guardians if they decide to reveal themselves to you. So basically, they're giving him a ring without any sense of training whatsoever. And it's not like the alien is dying. So it's like, it's not like, oh God, I'm about to die. I can't, you know, I can't uh, pass on all the information you're going to need to know about the ring. You know, but he, so here's the basics and then I'm going to die. You know, we, we don't get that here. We get an alien who's, you know, completely able-bodied, comes to Earth and says, oh, you know what? You look like a good candidate. You know, let me, let me tell you how this works. No, it's, here's a magic ring. Bye. You know, maybe someday the people that made this ring will contact you and tell you what the freak you're supposed to be doing with it. Hmm. So... Like, that in and of itself is kind of dumb. But then, like, you know, for for this issue, he goes, he buries his ring and decides to go and, you know, go for the entire adventure where he's just doing it on his own. Okay, so he proves it to himself. Now, he decides that he has to do it again, only tougher. Like, what the hell? Like... You know, the whole thing is that, you know, oh, well, in order for me to be, you know, able to judge the emperor, I have to have a higher authority. It's like, but everybody knows that the emperor is a complete douchebag and he's very evil. But in order for me to be okay with, you know, killing his ass, I have to go and defeat all the evil in Lung Mountain. And I have to do that without my ring. Meanwhile, the, the Guardians are probably watching all of this and says, this guy's a real dick. We give him this magic ring that can save everybody, and instead of, you know, using the ring and, you know, saving tons of villages and towns and, you know, maybe even going off-world and saving other planets and stuff like that, he is having sex in the sky and then burying his ring and not using it. You know, like... Like, if I was the Guardians, like, I would have figured out a way to, like, send lightning through that ring to kill him. It's just so that it would find somebody more worthy. And, and, and honestly, I would have reprimanded that alien that gave him the ring, because that guy's a dick. 
you know that he was purposely giving John Lee the ring because he's a dick and he wants to screw with the Guardians. The the thing you got to take into consideration about him going up the mountain to to do this and feel worthy and and get the approval of the Dragon Lords and his his guardians, uh, so to speak, is because Asian culture is so rooted and sometimes oftentimes at a fault, so rooted in tradition and heritage that to to upset the balance of that even even with an evil, obviously evil emperor is, is, is unheard of, especially in the training and, and stuff that Zhang Li was brought up in. So he, he, in his own mind, at least, and, and maybe possibly in the minds of those, uh, in, in the towns affected by the emperor and such, he still has to have a basis for taking out the emperor. I, it, is it translated well in this comic? If that's the point they're trying to make, absolutely not. But that could be what they're trying to go for. But what you're saying is, though, that is he has to not only rescue Jade Moon without the ring, but then he has to go and defeat everybody in this mountain single-handedly with no help and with no ring in order for him to be confident enough to use the ring. So he has no confidence. Like he doesn't have the confidence. Like he has to prove it. He has to keep proving to himself that you know he's allowed to. He does. He's not just confident in his abilities or his decisions or anything. Like he has to keep going through these like freaking trials and tribulations, jumping through hoops that he himself is setting forth. You know, so that he can prove to himself. You know, like. These are not the qualities of a Green Lantern. Like that's the wor- that's the worst part about this comic, that you, he's not he's not Green Lantern material. It's like they basically decided that they wanted to write this kung fu story, you know, about is like they wanted you know, what was that thing that Mench worked on before? Moon Knight. No, the uh, hands of kung fu or. Kung Fu Legends. Oh, the, or the Marvel. Like yeah, Marvel yeah. Kung Fu Legends. They basically said that okay, DC wants to put out a Kung Fu comic because you know maybe maybe the uh, the editor was you know a huge fan of Kung Fu comics or whatever like that. Oh yeah, let's do this. This will be great. You know, we'll we'll put a, a Green Lantern in, so we'll have like this, this Green Lantern from, from 600 AD China, and oh yeah, it'll it'll really be great. But if you're going to keep telling like martial arts stories like they were from the 70s, like this is how they were written. You had these heroes who constantly were questioning themselves, who didn't have the confidence and had to keep on, you know, earning that confidence for themselves. Like th- th- that's a trope of these martial arts comics. That does not mesh with a Green Lantern comic at all. It's fundamentally flawed. <sighs> so, are you sure this is the one you liked most? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, without a doubt. Uh, I actually like the way that he's drawn on the third cover. His eyes actually oh, yeah? look like they would be somewhat, you know, normal there. You know, they're not like 
half the size of his face. <laughs> of course, this this cover is ruined by the fact that it has Jade Moon's son. <laughs> the completely useless character. Yeah. With enormous yeah. eyes. Uh, judging by that image, the way that he's drawn on the cover, it looks like he's from Africa. Yeah. So, uh, issue three. Mm-hmm. Lee sails into uh, Long Mountain and single-handedly defeats everybody in there. It takes up a bunch of pages. He has to go level by level. He uses some trickery and fireworks and blah 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 it, it, it looks like the first level that he gets in he just kind of like knocks the people out um, <laughs> although, well that was easy moving on <laughs> yeah I, like okay I, I you know his mission is to defeat all the evil in lung mountain and he starts by just knocking them out it's like okay well what really i mean unless he pushed them into the water afterwards where they drowned <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Yeah, like it looks like uh, maybe maybe one of them. No, nah, none of them actually went into the water. Okay, everybody else he slaughters because you know he's a major martial arts kung fu guy. Um, he kills every other bad guy on his way up, either stabbing them or blowing them up, whatnot. Really, there's only like three levels or so, and then he's outside. Now. As soon as he gets outside, he starts communing with the Dragon Lords. At which point, I'm starting to wonder how come nobody that was in the mountain never decided, hey, you know what, let's go outside. Oh, God, look, there's dragons. <laughs> but that never happened. Meanwhile, the Emperor is uh, sending people out to uh, hunt for the Miracle Worker and hunt for uh, Jade Moon. And I guess I guess him doing this, you know, this, this whole mission to to cleanse Lung Mountain is getting back to uh, the Emperor. So as Zhang Li is, uh, finally he reaches the top of this mountain and he's communing with the dragons who may or may not actually be there. It might just be like a whole psychological thing. They bathe him in flame and now finally he's worthy to use the ring. Um, he receives a uh, transmission from his, his master and he realizes that Jade Moon must have recharged his ring so that he had a couple of seconds left and tells him that he's got to go and uh, take out the Emperor now. Okay. So, then he goes to sleep. Because, you know, you just take out an entire mountain of people. The best thing to do is probably go to sleep right at the top of that mountain. Because <laughs> nobody's going to be seeking retribution or anything like that. So... While he is uh, sleeping away like a little baby, Jade Moon, who is still in Han Village hiding, she realizes that the soldiers are making their way to Lung Mountain. They they know that the miracle worker is there, so they're they're going there. So she's like, "Oh crap, he's going to be completely powerless. Let me bring him his lantern." And uh, Jade Moon apparently figures out a way to get there faster than soldiers on horses. She, she runs there. I guess she was temporarily imbued with the powers of the Flash. Gets there just before the horses. And, yeah, like, literally just before. Like, within seconds. And, uh... She, she tosses the lantern to Chang Li and gets cut down by uh, a couple of arrows and uh, 
things aren't looking good for him. But he uh, he powers up, and now he's really pissed. So now now he's really going to use his ring and create a lot of rope. <laughs> now he creates he creates a few green arrows and uh, a, a dragon, fittingly enough. Pulls the arrows out of Jade Moon's back and flies her off to um, I guess what passes as a a doctor. It's really just a, pe- a bunch of people in a, in a hut. So, yeah, I, I guess all the physicians left, made way for India or something. Anyway, anywhere but this this Han village that keeps on getting pillaged. I mean, honestly, like at this point, why there's anybody left in Han village at all? These people are just gluttons for punishment. Yeah, so... Oh, God. So the miracle worker, Zhang Li, he brings the uh, he brings Jade Moon's body there, drops her off, and now he's off to to take out the Emperor. Now he's creating, like, you know, really big constructs of, uh, like, really large rope, and hands, hands tie the rope. The Emperor is like, wait, what's going on? As he's, you know, sh- shoving bugs he's eating bugs god i didn't even realize that he's eating bugs the emperor to illustrate this man's depravity even more i I guess uh yeah so constructs are coming in battering ram giant lions i wonder if they actually had giant rams like that in in china at 660 a.d I'm going to be curious to check that out. I'm actually going to look that up later. I guess maybe they had them. I don't know that they actually had battering rams at that point, but they probably had seen rams. So, uh, along with Zhang Li, he was rousing up a bunch of commoners that were pissed off at the emperor also. So when he breaks down the gate, you know, all these peasants come rushing in and start murdering guards left and right. The emperor is, uh, he's like, uh, you know, oh, we got to get out of here. Yeah, so before the uh, the Emperor can escape, he uh, gets cut down by the General. Oh, oh, God. And then, oh, God, I swear to God. Then the General comes up against uh, Zhang Li. And what does Zhang Li do? Of course, he throws the ring away. Because, I mean, you know, obviously you have to prove yourself again to this guy who's even more evil than the most evil, I guess. I, I don't know. Whatever. He uh, he dies. He's, he's cut down. He's completely murdered by Zhang Li. Zhang Li dances on his, his dead body. And, uh, <laughs> and as his body falls to the ground, the other guards rush into the door and they're like, you know, it's like, wait a second. He killed, he killed our general. Never mind the fact that the Emperor is dead, so they don't, you know, they're not getting a paycheck anymore. They should probably just cut and run. And then, uh, <laughs> yeah, they really should have. This Zhang Li wills the ring back onto his hand. I don't know how he ever, you know, garnered some, uh, some willpower. He finally got a little bit of it. Willed the ring back onto his hand. And by the way, that is a really stereotypically drawn Chinese guy. The, the, the third guard there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a really stereotypical look. But anyway, Zhang Li, you know, wills the ring back onto his hand after his fight with the general, and he killed him. And he uses it to create 
yellow electricity to cut down these guards. So then he tells the peasants that uh, you should stop trying to kill everybody. What are we going to do? You know, what, what what's next? Uh, everybody's calling for revenge. It's like, well, there has to be something more than revenge. You know, that you're that you're, you're horrible people if it's just about revenge. It's like, is there anything else? Oh, our wealth. You know, yeah, they took all our money and, you know, now we don't have anything. It's like, oh, there has to be something more than, than wealth and revenge. What is it? And that's when that little dickhead pops up again. <laughs> Jade Moon's son. And apparently this kid who started out the comic at two years old and then jumped to seven years old is now apparently some kind of like 11-year-old who is, I guess, a world scholar and realizes that there should be no more suffering and everything should be hunky-dory and... And really, he really doesn't have to say much. And then Zhang Li's like, oh, wait, you're Zhang Li's son. Oh, okay, I guess you're the new emperor. Uh, creates a throne for him. And that that kid looks like he settles into the power real quick. It's like, you know, his hands are up. It's like, yes, worship me. And and it's all, it's all good because he's the illegitimate son of the emperor. So... <laughs> It, it works out, I guess. So then Zhang Li, you know, uses green magic carpet, fly back to uh, Jade Moon, who's about to die. Uh, uh, she tells, you know, he tells her that the son is not only alive, but he's the new emperor. She's all happy. They go back to that enchanted glade where, uh, you know, they had sex the first time and they're on the magic carpet, flying above everything, and she dies. We don't really know what happens after that, so that's questionable. But next, uh, he's burning her body. He's setting it on fire. Um, probably to hide the evidence. But, uh, and then that's basically it. And then he's off to right more wrongs, or presumably bury his lantern and ring so that he can go right the wrongs without it to make sure that he's worthy to use it the next time. That he won't use it also. <laughs> yeah, and in, in that one of that third to last panel, the battery is completely drawn wrong. Mm-hmm. See what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and then it's over, and we can move on with our lives. One would hope. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, the way that he just like gave the, the role of emperor to that kid oh god and the amount of people that have like four teeth in this comic <laughs> like honestly it's more than one person uh, yeah it's uh, it, it's pretty shitty I don't know what to tell you. He, other, other, other than that. He slaughters that general. Yeah, and, and and that's another thing. This guy who's been taught so many different ways of, of a monk... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Not only sleeps with this woman every chance he gets... Yeah. But takes off the hand of assassins and 
murders people. Left and right, <laughs> yes. He murders left and right. Like, he... I think he relishes it. Yeah, that's probably, I think that's, so, too. That's why he takes off the ring, probably so that he can keep murdering people. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah. God. And of course, Zhang Li dies just, you know, just before he can power up and save her. Yeah, it's... Uh... I don't know how she got there before the horses. So, the dragon thing, when the dragons show up, yeah, is that... Are they real? Or... We don't know. Yeah. We have no idea. It's it's probably shenanigans. I mean, you, 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 never, you never get the feeling, like, he's just like, I can feel them, I can sense their majestic presence and feel their fire. All these descriptive words about them being there physically and everything, but it doesn't necessarily mean they are there. Well, as soon as he gets to the, the top of the mountain, he closes his eyes. Mm-hmm. And he never opens them. Mm-hmm. So, we have no idea. Right. I can sense their majestic presence. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, it's like, you have this one panel, uh, feel their fire, annealing me, annealing my spirit with the purifying power of theirs. And then we have uh, just a couple of panels after that, um, brought down from heaven by the returning dragons to wash away my unworthy past and to harden my newly annealed spirit. Like, really, like, you're using anneal twice in two pages. And honestly, yeah. like, wash away my unworthy past. I mean, like, you're a monk. If anybody was worthy, it would have been you. Yeah. And then the other thing is the vision has faded, um, but the supreme power of the Dragon Lord remains. So maybe the whole thing was just a vision uh, and not an actual dragons flying around. Although they are drawn different than they have been this entire comic. So I, I, don't know. I don't know. I don't think it matters. Actually, no, I guarantee it doesn't matter. Kills everybody in this mountain, except Fucks for up good. except for the people on the first level who he just knocks out, who presumably are really pissed off, and then yeah. he just goes to sleep at the top of the mountain. I don't care how tired you are, like seriously, you get the fuck off that mountain. You go hide somewhere, somewhere where you're not on a mountain where everybody would love to kill you because you just killed everybody except for like four people in the entire mountain god I would, if if that was me on that first level like I would I would run out I would go get like as many people as I could find like I'd scrounge up like all the the slave traders and stuff like that that were off trying to you know do trades and stuff like that and I'd be like you know what he's in this mountain right here we're gonna go and we're gonna kill him and they'd be like, okay, let's do it. And he'd be dead. Because he wouldn't want to use his damn ring. 
you know, actually, okay, this is how you know it's not a great comic. When you're actively rooting for the slave traders in a comic book. When you want the slave traders to win and kill him, then you're probably not doing the best job. When you are excited and can't wait for the point where she finally gets caught and killed in between what she's running towards <laughs> running towards him with a lantern. Yeah, that's 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 when you know it's a bad comic. When the new emperor is more irritating than the old emperor and he's supposed to be the good one, you're probably reading a bad comic. <laughs> oh man. I don't have any uh, when you know you're reading a bad comic win jokes. I think I'm all tapped out. That's that's, <laughs> that's probably for the best. <laughs> oh man! Uh, How did they not spot her in Han Village? Like they, uh, they've sent they sent like numerous assa- assassins to Han Village to try and like hunt her down and murder her, and mm-hmm. like. Like, the blinds aren't even right. Which, did they have, they had blinds back then? They had blinds in 660 AD China? I don't think so. It seems like a a fairly modern thing to have back then. Man. You know, okay, so here's, here I think is... The major problem that I had with a great deal of Elseworlds stories. Okay. The Elseworlds concept is a brilliant concept. You say, okay, well, we have these these core, you know, core aspects to the character. We're going to keep them the same. We're going to change an aspect of it, whether we change the time period that it happens in. You know, and then see how everything plays out, or we change, like, you know, how the powers work, or what they do, or, you know, some little thing. And then you write the story about it. But there are so many of these where it's just like, you know, they're just not good stories. You know, like, this this isn't compelling. You have this whole story based on a guy that never should have been a Green Lantern. You know, like, it could have worked, I guess, if he wasn't such a wishy-washy asshole. (laughs) Oh, God. Now, what you call it? So I I had had done some some research, and... uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's not often. But I, I did some research and I found an interview with uh, Paul Galassi, the uh, the artist on this. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, what you call it? This is um, this is what he had to say about about uh, Green Lantern Dragon Lord. Um, they, they asked him, uh, "You were this is uh, by the way." Um, this is an interview on Galacy.com um, with Mile High Comics. They asked him, uh, you were reunited with writer Doug Mench recently on Green Lantern Dragonlord. How did that come about, 
how is it working with him again? And, uh, you know, he says, it's like working with a relative. Dragon Lord was set in ancient China, but my original proposal was to make the feature character a gladiator, which I always wanted to do a story on way before the film. Uh, I got overruled. Um, editor Andy Helfer set the whole thing up. We just completed a Legends of the Dark Knight series that he edited, edited and he threw the Green Lantern job on us before we hit the door. There was a scheduling problem, and that series was very rushed. It could have been better. So, um, yeah, so I mean, like, as an artist, he was rushed to do it. So, I mean, I have to imagine that many of the issues that I had, you know, were because he was rushed. I mean, I have to imagine, because that's what he said. Although the eye thing, like, I don't know, like, I kind of want to believe that maybe, maybe he drew the eyes too big in the beginning, and then he just ran out of time to, uh, to fix it, so he just had to keep doing it, along with everything else. So I sent an email to Doug Mensch, um, because I was curious, like, based on the way that Paul Glacey, uh, you know, explains this, you would think that it was kind of um, more editorially driven than than anything else. So I, I asked uh, I asked Doug Mensch, you know, how much of it was, you know, an editorial plot and how much of it was, you know, his own creativity. And he wrote back. He says the plot was entirely mine. Um, after hashing out the concept with Paul and editor Andy Helfer. He doesn't remember it being particularly rushed, but the deadlines can be rougher on artists rather than writers. So, I mean, like, I have a feeling that still the concept was probably, you know, the editor, as far as like, oh yeah, I was a big fan of these guys doing their martial arts comics back in the day. It'd be great if we can get them to do a Green Lantern martial arts comic also. And he probably, you know, that's probably what, what he went to them. And so Doug Mensch probably came up with, you know, this whole story that involves martial arts guy, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I'm speculating here based on the information that I have, but that's how I put it together in my mind. And honestly, I think a Gladiator comic, a Gladiator Green Lantern comic would have fit so much better. Okay. Well, I mean, like, because you think about it, the core concept of a gladiator is somebody that has to fight for their, you know, continued existence. If they don't have the willpower to overcome the other, you know, adversary or lion or whatever, they're going to die. I mean, like, yeah, so I mean, like, the very... and, And also, a lot of the gladiators were people that were taken captive from the losers. So even that, you're basically taking a character who, you know, he wanted to stand up against, you know, this major army. And it takes a lot of willpower to do that. I mean, like, the very concept of a gladiator fits so much better with Green Lantern than this, you know, wishy-washy kung fu guy. Right. So I think that's it. (laughs) 
I've never read this comic until this this point. Yeah. So, I tried not to let my previous uh, previous experience with reviews and and uh, expectations uh, of what I would experience going into this cloud my judgment. Mm-hmm. But it was hard. <laughs> it was real hard, folks. <laughs> I, I was not a fan of the art. Um, sorry, it just wasn't. Uh, the costume designs were okay and everything, but the the storytelling seemed to leap all over the place. Yeah, I just... Random sex and, again, not a prude, but it's just it, it's too much, you know? And it's just... It detracted from the story more than it added to it. Yeah. and And it's... It just wasn't good. It wasn't. It wasn't good, and I, I agree with us counting it as an Elseworlds because I don't want it as a part of my Green Lantern continuity. <laughs> so it's uh... yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure that it is listed as an Elseworlds. I could be wrong, but I don't know. It just doesn't. It doesn't have the logo, but I'm pretty sure it is an Elseworlds. Yeah, what'd you go? No, I yeah, I bought this when it came out, and uh, I didn't like it then. And the you know, the it, it's basically it's those core principles. Like you know, at that time when you know when this comic originally came out, you had Kyle Rayner, and Kyle Rayner is a guy that's you know not typically you know Green Lantern material. He was just thrust on him. But it, it turns out that he, he, you know, not only did he rise up, but he came became an amazing Green Lantern who did have, you know, lots and lots of willpower. So he was completely worthy of the ring. So when you read something like that and then you read something like this, where this guy just keeps on throwing away the ring because it's like, oh, not worthy of it. You know, it's like it just for the amount of time he did it three times, he threw away the ring. You know, he disregarded the ring three times because he kept on needing to prove himself. In three issues, three times he gave away the ring. I, I mean, the amount of time that he actually spent as a Green Lantern, you know, actually doing Green Lantern things probably amounts to, like, what? What are we looking at? Like, uh, 15 pages out of 150? Yep. So, and most of it was, you know him using the ring to sort out his issues that he has in his own mind. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to use the ring to create these uh, these visions. It's like, really? Green Lantern, you know, martial arts monk, if you're going to write it like this, probably not the best thing to do. Yeah. <sighs> well, we, we covered it, folks. Yeah, we we got there. <laughs> are are you happy with the end result? <laughs> <laughs> see what do you see? What you made us do? <laughs> you see what you make me do? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, please tell me we have a palate cleanser or something for the next one of these. I don't even remember. I don't. I don't know what we have next. Oh, we do have a palate cleanser. Yes. 
Well, it really depends on when we're going to redo Red Sun. <laughs> not yet. Not next. <laughs> not next. Well, then, then that means we do have a palate cleanser next because, and we might as well announce it here so people can have a little something to look forward to after this terrible, terrible, terribleness. Superman, Last Son of Earth, I think, is what it's called. Uh, right? Sure. Okay. <laughs> that's that's the one where that's the one with the Superman uh, as a Green Lantern, right? Yes, that is the well. Yeah, that's uh, what if what if instead of Superman being rocketed from a dying Krypton to uh, Earth, instead it's Superman is from Earth, and when they think that Earth is about to dest- be destroyed, he gets rocketed to Krypton. And all the craziness that ensues. Well, not intentionally to Krypton. Well, you know, whatever. We'll get yeah. to it. We'll, well, we'll that, get that's, to it. Yeah, we'll get to that's it. for another time. Yeah. So. In the meantime, uh, I would like, if it's all right with Jim here, oh, to no. take this opportunity to announce another um, member of the Lantern Cast family, I should say. And I don't mean I have a child or something. <laughs> uh, another another member of the Lantern Cast family of uh, of podcast posting. What? You, you're Is talking okay? about your 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 project? Yes. No. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give away details. No, you can't you can't even announce it until you have an episode ready to go. I can't even announce it until there's one ready to go? Correct. Which, basically, it, this is better anyway, because now you're teasing it. So, so now people... So now it's just a giant... It's, it's a giant tease. <laughs> well, people have been paying attention at all. Like, I used to pay attention to these episodes. They're not. <laughs> like, like I used to. Then you could piece it together. <laughs> oh, they're, they're not going to have any idea. <laughs> Maybe Scott. Uh, Scott might have an idea. Yeah, that's true. But uh, damn it! <laughs> now, now, well, yeah. Once, once the first episode goes up, or once, once you have the first episode recorded, then you can uh, you can pimp it out on the episode that we record before it goes up. How about that? Yeah, that's fun. And uh, and all of our listeners are just gonna have to wait and uh, find out what you have in store. That first episode, at least, at the very least, will be very epic. I, I've I've put a lot of planning and thought into it. And God, once you listen to that episode, you'll find out exactly how much planning. Now, you basically just set that first episode up as like the best of the entire series. <laughs> yeah, that first episode is going to be epic. After that, I don't make any guarantees. <laughs> the first episode is going to be epic because I have a lot of preparation and I have a, a special guest. Well, you know what? You should stop talking about it and start planning <laughs> the next episodes. I already am. That way they'll be just as epic. You know, you know I'm already planning that. I have no idea. Yeah, you do. Oh, I don't you know listen what? to you. You know what I'm trying to do for the second one. Oh, God. You think I was paying attention? (laughs) (sighs) Not so Uh. much, Chad. Not so much. (laughs) Just so, Chad. 
just so. Oh, come on, I can't tell him about my spotlight on Tom Halmaku, you know, over the years. Well, that would be awesome if there was a character named Tom Halmaku. Oh yeah, did I did I did you I cut out there? Completely screw that up. <laughs> yeah, Kalmaku, yeah. my bad. Yeah, yeah. It's not even you know you're not even going to be doing that though. So no, I was trying to come up with something witty that that could possibly be, but no. There's not a whole lot you can do to prepare for a spotlight on Tom Kalmaku episode. Oh, God. Yeah, that that wouldn't really... We're not going to ever do that spotlight. I mean, unless unless they spin him off and give him superpowers, and it turns out to be amazing, which is things that will never happen, so we probably don't have to worry about that. Well, there was that... Um, no. What no. was that? The, just, just what, no. was that what, what was that trade called? Last Will? Yeah, that one. Yeah, no. No, that, that's, that's not Tom Kalmuk who was a superhero. No, but it, once we get to that, that'll essentially be our spotlight on Tom Kalmuk. Oh, God, let's never get to that. Oh, man. Okay, everybody, so if you want to contact <laughs> us here at the Lantern Cast Presents the Elseworlds podcast, yeah. uh, you can do so at uh, lanterncast.gmail.com. Uh, our website is lanterncast.com, and uh, if you go there, you can uh, find links to our forum, our Facebook page, our Twitter, gallery, a whole bunch of stuff, actually. And uh, if you want to leave us a voicemail, you can do so at 708-LANTERN. Please, if, if anybody out there has read read this this book that, that we had to uh, suffer through, if you if you've read it and you wanna like comment and you know be like guys you know um, thank you for reading this so that I don't have to read it ever or uh, guys I read this I know the pain that you had to go through <laughs> yeah and anything like that uh, please leave us a voicemail seven zero eight lantern um, and I, I we also have uh, individual emails uh, Jim at lanterncast or Chad at lanterncast. Uh, we're also on iTunes. Yeah, and um, if you've got the time, leave us a review over on iTunes because it helps increase the visibility of the show as well as, uh, uh, and, and, and not so much that what we're looking for, just kind of adds people to the family of that is Lantern Cast. So, yeah. We're, all, we're always looking to expand the love. You know, because of the name of the podcast, Lantern Cast. Like, if we were the Green Lantern cast, our visibility would probably be much higher. As it is, we're kind of like a dark, dank alley down a side street on iTunes. And people just kind of, like, find us by accident. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and I didn't really want to say that out loud on the episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm fully willing to, to air that. No, I... I swear, I'm I'm not talking it up just because I I want to I want to pimp us out. I'm talking it up because of what basically because of what Jim just said. <laughs> yeah, no. If you type in you, Green Lantern in iTunes, like you probably have to scroll down like 43 pages before you find us. 
yeah, yeah, and and leaving reviews and uh, and ratings on the podcast um, really really helps increase visibility for podcasts on iTunes. Yeah. And a lot of the a lot of the podcasts I, I like and enjoy um, ask people that if you do enjoy let 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 iTunes know because it really helps increase the visibility and it seems to work because every time I you know search for those podcasts on iTunes see if they've got like a spinoff or something going on they've moved up in the ranks <laughs> and you can actually find them <laughs> yeah you know like the way that it works out for us is like our visibility is so low that if we were ever to guest you know do like some sort of guest appearance on like a Kevin Smith podcast and in the, the notes they wrote you know we we had uh, the lantern cast on then if you did a search for Lantern Cast, Kevin Smith's one episode would come up before all of the rest of our episodes. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that's sadly true. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, you could be listening to a podcast of uh, NPR where they could be talking about, you know, green paint and also metal lanterns and their episode will come up higher in the rankings than the Lantern cast when it comes to Green Lantern. So, uh, listen, I mean, yeah, you do have to search for us, but, um, you know, we appreciate all of the listeners that have in the past and have found us and are still listening to us today. So, we appreciate it. It's awesome. Yes. I think because of the fact that our listeners have to do a little extra legwork to find us, it makes them that much more special, and and I mean I think it's a little fitting that to find to find a good Green Lantern podcast, you really have to use a little willpower to find it. <laughs> I think that's fitting. <laughs> <laughs> and I promise we're we're not begging for reviews, but we kind of are. <laughs> we no, I'm not. I'm not begging. Well, we're not begging. <laughs> <laughs> We're, we're basically like uh, we're basically like hipster Green Lantern podcast. It's like you know people will be like, oh yes, I was listening to Lantern Cast before they got big, but they can just keep on saying that forever. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, sadness. Yeah. Oh man. Should, should, should we should we end the episode and end their misery? What do you mean theirs? I'm not really concerned about theirs right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm concerned about my own. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's do that. Okay, but once again, everybody, so that we actually would have some voicemails to play on an Elseworlds podcast, seven zero eight Lantern. Please call us and leave us a voicemail. Even if it's about one of the previous Elseworlds that we've talked about, you know, there have been six prior to this. Uh, we talked briefly about Red Sun. We did a very poor job at that. Uh, we discussed Superman 147, Volume 2, uh, which was not an Elseworlds at all, but we wanted to talk about it. And it had kind of an alternate storyline. Uh, we had, uh, what was it, the... The one where it was took place in the Bowery. Oh, uh, Evil's Might. That's it, Evil's Might. Oh, that's that's great. We have an entire write-up that doesn't even mention 
the fact that we re- recovered Evil's mic. <laughs> oh, um, we had uh, what if Hal and Guy were Nazis? Oh, that was the annual, the Green Lantern annual, mm-hmm. and uh, Arabian uh, A Thousand and One Emerald Knights. That one was awesome. Mm-hmm. And the first one, the one that we had to start off with. Oh, we did not write. We did not. We didn't even write in it. We've no description of what we talked about at all for the first episode. Well, whose fault is that? That's completely mine. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, that's 100%. The first Elseworlds was uh, Darkest Night? Yes. Yes. In Darkest Night. In Darkest Night and Night with a K. So it's Green Lantern, Batman. Right. And show. Yep, got all those to listen to. Leave us a voicemail about any of them, or this one, or future ones that you want to hear. Yeah, that'd be good. Good night, everyone. (laughs) Good night.